Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. It's good to see you today. Good for you to see me anyway. Here we are having another in-deep session, our opportunity to go a little bit deeper in some of the ideas that we find in Scripture that help us to follow God, to know His will, and to walk in His ways. Today I want to focus on the power that's right there in your mouth. It's called your tongue. And I want to talk about some scriptures that really show the incredible power combination that comes when you unite your mouth or your tongue with the the things that you become convinced of in your heart through faith. The most important one, obviously, is what we can see easily here in Romans chapter 10. It says, what does it say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. Those are the two things that make the word of God relevant to you in your mouth and in your heart. Now, this quote comes out of the book of Deuteronomy, and at that time, he's talking about the response of the people of God to the first covenant. And he's saying, listen, it's not something that is put out there as this impossibility, but it's right there with you that you can grasp and hold and understand. Now, what, what Paul is teaching us here is that when we receive what God is saying to us in his word and combine it with a confession, that that is how salvation actually occurs. So he goes on and he says this, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the mouth, for the heart, one believes and is justified. With the mouth, one confesses and is saved. So this is how salvation actually occurs inside of you. When you come to the conviction that Jesus Christ died for you and was raised for you, when you believe that, it's not something you're making up anymore. It's not something that you're trying to become convinced of. It's not something that you're in an intellectual uh, time of deciding. But you have become convinced that Jesus died and was raised from you. And that's very, very key. The resurrection of Jesus is something that you must receive by faith. And once you receive that and you confess that, That is when the power of God, talked about in Romans chapter 1, the power of God makes you a new creation. That is when you are saved from your sin and you become a brand new person made new in Jesus Christ. And this incredible combination of the word of God working in us to cause the heart response and the mouth response together. But have you ever asked yourself, why the mouth? Like, isn't it really just about what I believe in my heart? Why does the mouth come so important in this process? He says, the word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. So those two things together, I want to show you, are really, really important for our lives walking in faith. Mouth and heart. Mouths and hearts work together. That is what the word confession means. It's not something just to sort of have it bubbling away inside of us. It's when we actually speak it out or when we proclaim it, but also when we confess it in our, just our general lives, when we're going about the ways that we operate in this world. We are often confessing what we really believe. The things that we are saying are the true reflections of our convictions. And sometimes we're capable of lying about things or pretending on those things. And we're going to be talking about what that means a little bit later. But basically what he's saying is when you really unite your words and your heart, that is when you are really speaking what you are believing. Now, here is Jesus talking in Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, verses 34 and 35. Jesus talks about how... The mouth is kind of the 
exit point or the proclamation point of what is in our hearts. And he, he speaks here talking about a brood of vipers. Now, what he's meaning there is that just like snakes have poisonous mouths, he's comparing the poison that's coming out of people's mouths as evidence of their corrupt nature inside. And he, he wants to make sure that we can understand that you can always see, you can always tell what's in the heart by what's coming out of the mouth. So he says this, how can you speak good when you're evil? He's like, it just, it's not a possibility. It's not going to happen. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And a good person out of the good treasure brings forth good, and an evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. Now, Jesus is not like throwing labels at people, good, bad, evil, good. He, if you know anything about the teaching of Jesus, he is basically blanketing everyone as evil. Every person has corruption inside them. And he looks at the religious people of his day trying to be good, even though they're actually evil on the inside, and talks about what a nonsense that is, what a kind of a, like a comical waste of time that people think that they could change the nature of their, imagine if you were a good tree, Jesus says, a good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. But you can't change what the tree is. You don't have the power to do that, so you just go on producing the bad fruit. But Jesus talks about a new creation becoming new. He says we need to be born again. And it's the fact that only Christ can make us new is what changes the inner stuff. He's not trying to label people and make them feel bad for being evil. They are evil. We all are evil. But Jesus can make us good because he's the one that comes and lives inside of us that makes us good. And it's that good confession that comes out of Christ that changes us. But he talks about this. This is a very serious thing. He says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Care less, thought less. You didn't really consider that what was coming out of your mouth was revealing the condition of your heart. He says, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. It's, um, um, sometimes it's really difficult for us to think about how many words just constantly dribble out of our mouths? I did a creative writing course some years ago, and uh, in order to learn to creatively write dialogue, the teacher of the class said a really great idea is actually just to say, go to a cafe, uh, sit, in a, sit in a seat where you're sitting around other people just so that you can overhear them talking, not because they're trying to get secrets or something, but just so that you get a chance to listen to how the natural flow of a, of a conversation. So I did these things. So I sat down in a cafe near people and they're talking. And I, and I got to say, when you're just sitting as an outsider listening to a conversation that obviously those people are getting a lot out of because they're connected to all of the stories. But when you're just sitting there on the outside, there is a lot of stuff that just comes out of people's mouths. And if you actually record that and take that into the courts of heaven and say, this is the kind of thing that is flowing out of the mouths of people. That Jesus says those things are, an, are the reality of the, of the true conviction of your heart. And he's saying you will ultimately get a conviction based on what is in your heart. Now how did we know it was in your heart? Well, it kept coming out of your mouth. So Jesus talks a lot about 
getting that right combination, a good combination of mouth and heart. So he says here, when talking about asking for God, God for things in prayer, Mark chapter 11, he says, Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says, see, say, say, says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will, will come to pass, it will be done for him. So Jesus is talking about, again, this incredible power. In the same way we were saved, Jesus says that same power, that same power combination of true conviction and mouth conviction, confession can actually transform any situation in the human world, anything around us, mountains, valleys, problems, illnesses, sicknesses. He says it's the mouth-heart combination that is an expression of the way that the power of God works. And so he's saying, if you really believe in your heart, now I've talked before in the past about getting a true conviction in your heart, not intellectual thoughts in your head. How do you get that right? And getting your heart right to believe what God is saying to you is a very powerful thing. But Jesus says, once you get that heart conviction, it flows out in your confession. The things that you say, you say to the mountain. You don't just sort of think about the mountain. You don't just believe and do nothing. But you believe and speak. You speak in prayer. You speak directly in authority to the things around you. So I want to show you here in Proverbs. There's a lot of talk in the book of Proverbs about making sure that you are getting your words right. Proverbs is a book of wisdom. It's, it's, it is a wisdom book, like the entire book is filled with wisdom phrases, it's filled with wise ideas and wise ways to live your life, but right at the very beginning of the book, it talks about the value of wisdom, how important wisdom is, and about how folly oftentimes looks like wisdom, but it doesn't go about life in the right way. And so the book of Proverbs wisely guides us into doing the right thing. Now, any one of you in our Western world right now would think it's, well, it all boils down to what you do, the planning that you make, your intentions behind things. Are you good? Are you kind? Are you nice? Or, or, you know, are you bad? Are you mean? Are you bitter? It's all of those kind of practicalities. But again and again, through the book of, of Proverbs, he talks about your mouth. Your mouth, your tongue, your either speaking truth, speaking lies, the things that come out of your mouth are a very powerful way for us to recognize the wisdom of our hearts. So in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 4, he says, A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. We've got a lot of trouble with the word perverseness these days, so I went back to the original Hebrew. It's that word selef, and it means twisted words or vicious words. So what he's saying is if you have a, tr- a tongue that is speaking health, it's, it's gentle, kind, loving. It, it is a tree of life for other people, but also a tree of life for you because all of that confession of good heart that brings good things in all of your life in every angle. But he's saying if you constantly are spewing out twisted words or words that are ultimately hurtful or not aligned with your heart, they are a lie, then that actually causes a breaking down of your spirit and in the spirits of others. And you may not even know that it's happening, but it's, it's hurting people around you and it's hurting you. So, Proverbs chapter 18 talks about how death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. 
So he talks, I mean, I don't know if there's many scriptures that kind of blast you with a truth in a absolute, don't go this way, this is dangerous, watch out, here's the consequences. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You have the ability to confess all kinds of life. You have the ability to cause all kinds of death. And it's all right there in your tongue because of how it relates to your heart. Now, in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 9, I want to just go into an area that I've been really convicted about recently. Just looking at our culture and the way that we are today, the way that we talk, the way that we use our mouths today. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 9 says, The devising of folly is sin. Uh, I mean, and that's not just advice for teenage boys. The devising of folly is sin, or teenage girls on the internet. It's the way, if you plan something that ultimately is foolish, it actually hurts people. It's sinful to God. So he says then, the scoffer is an abomination to mankind. The scoffer, an abomination to mankind. I, I, um, one of the major ways that people are entertained these days is through comedy. Um, I don't know if comedy has ever had such a high level of the attention of our culture. I, I know you go back and you study uh, ancient Greek culture. They wrote comedies like for their plays and those kind of things. So you can look at those things. But even the comedy in those things is very different than today. But comedians today are like celebrities. And I don't know if it's just because we... We need a laugh these days more than ever, or maybe it's because of the, the popularity of television and other forms of media that can get comedians out there. But basically, you've got one, one woman, one man that walks out on a stage, and he basically makes fun of things. He scoffs at everything. He, he talks about uh, you know, the way that culture is, the way people treat people of different ethnicities or faiths. He talks about the way that people behave in airports or in coffee shops. If you, it, comedy is, is broad and deep, and I don't mean deep in a deep way. I mean deep in sinking down to something, depth of bad depths. But he says, in our culture right now, we elevate people who scoff. And the truth is, that scoffers are an abomination to mankind. So right away, we're looking at a way that we talk today that the Bible says is out of sync with what is good and healthy and lovely for people. And it ought to cause us more offense. But not offense at the people, but offense at the idea that scoffing is a good way to use our mouths or to confess things. Now, the word for scoffer there in Hebrew is the word lutz. Um, it means a tongue of trouble, uh, to mock. And it can also mean to make mouths at. Now, it actually is quite literally uh, a twisting of the mouth is what it means. So it's, it's used sometime as, sometimes as somebody who's interpreting another language uh, because uh, imagine, you know, in, in ancient times, people coming together, they can't understand. They've got an interpreter. Well, the interpreter is the one that can twist the mouth to make the sounds of the other people group. And so they often even t- call people from outside of their people group. They would call people things like 
barbar is the Greek word, which basically means to mumble and to mock at sounds. And it's the same idea. It's, it's being messed up in your mouth. And what the scripture is saying is that if you twist up your mouth at what the thing is in your heart, that you are mocking true conviction. And I think that right now, we've got a problem with this. We have learned to speak without belief. And it comes out in these ideas. Sarcasm, derision, scorn, and false confession. I don't, I don't know, because I didn't live in the past, but I actually think that today, we incorrectly use our mouths almost all of the time. Like, like for example, I use sarcasm a lot. And I don't, I don't, reading the scriptures, I'm thinking, that's actually not good. Because sarcasm means to say something that you genuinely don't believe. And it's to say it with a false conviction. When, when I go to Papua New Guinea to teach and talk there, um, I can't use sarcasm at all. Because the Papua New Guinea culture just doesn't get it. If I say the opposite of something that I really mean, that they think I'm meaning the thing that I'm saying. I can't say, well, it's hot today. Is it hot enough for you? They'll, they'll think, yes, it actually is hot. Look, why, don't, why are you talking about that? Um, uh, like I, I, I have friends that their children were raised in Papua New Guinea. And so they're West, Westerner people. And when they would come back from Papua New Guinea and hang out with their uh, relatives from, you know, from Australia, they, they, they found that when they talked to the kids like, oh, you know, you know, auntie doesn't like it when you jump on her, then the kids would think, well, don't jump on auntie. Or, or auntie really loves it when you jump on her. That, that's, you're saying that in sarcasm, but then the kids think that's what you really mean. You're jumping on somebody. And I thought, isn't this, is this interesting? We've developed a way of being inauthentic with our talk, and it's the tone that tells people we're actually faking it. We're saying something that's mean. But that sarcasm now spreads through every area of life. Yeah, they don't really care about that. Yeah, I know that's what the government says. Yeah, I know those people say those kinds of things, but they don't really mean it. And we use this kind of derision, this way of scorning things, People with genuine convictions are scorned. People who, who talk about high ideals are scorned. People who seem sincere are scorned. People who are genuinely compassionate are scorned. And it all comes out out of our mouths. But I want you to, I, want you to, I don't know if you can see my mouth. But when we speak falsely, we actually twist our mouth. In fact, if you're trying to animate it, like I, I speak with a very neutral face a lot of the time, but when I speak publicly, I speak a little bit more animately because I'm trying to help people get the message of what I'm saying. If you're really trying to convince people, you put it on your face. And if you're really trying to show sarcasm, derision, or scorn, it leaks onto your face. And what it does is it twists your mouth. You go like that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you really believe it. Yeah, those people are really, yeah, those people, I know what they're really about. Yeah, they don't really believe that. Yeah, I don't really believe that. And people can say something with their mouths that actually is a lie. Now, today also, words are cheap. 
People are throwing out words all of the time. You look at social media. It's just a constant flood of words that may or may not be based on any kind of conviction at all. It just is a leaking of thoughts just dribbling out of people's mouths with little or no thought to the convictions behind it. Today, people also can say all kinds of things that are really insincere to what their convictions are. They, they say things like, no, oh, I can do anything. They don't really believe that. They, it, it, and if you look at their actions, they don't really believe it because they're not doing it. They say things like, well, I'm a good person. But if you really boil down, what do you mean by good? And actually, are you that version anyway? Or, yeah, I deserve this. You know, but when they say it, their mouth has to kind of twist because there's no real conviction behind it. Do they really believe what is in their hearts? Now, Proverbs chapter 23, verses 6 to 7, he says, Do not eat the bread of him who has an evil eye. An evil eye is a way of looking at things through selfish gain or self-interest. He says, Nor desire his dainty foods. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. Now, he's talking about approaching a person that's wealthy, who's trying to, you know, seems wealthy, and he wants to give you these good things. Yeah, eat and drink, eat and drink. But he doesn't really want you to have it. He's not actually uh, generous. He doesn't want you to take anything. And he's speaking something with his mouth that his heart is not in it. Now, the first question you need to ask about yourself is, God, is God like that? Would God speak with generosity, but his heart not have generosity in it? Really ask yourself. Because that is your approach to the word of God spoken. Is God promising you things that he has no intention of fulfilling? Or would feel ripped off if you welcomed yourself to them? He says something, you go for it, and he goes, eh, didn't really want you to have that. See how my mouth twisted? Eh don't really want you to have that. Now the question then is, is that in your heart? Is there a belief that God is not interested? I've got some questions. Is Jesus your Savior? Is God your Father? Are you a new creation? Has God made promises to you? Is he going to keep them? Many times, when I'm sitting and getting honest conversation with people. You know, when you really dig deep in people's stories, there's often a lot of woundedness there. A lot of, a lot of bad lessons learned. A lot of painful things. Uh, people's sense of themselves, their self-confidence, their sense of worth, their sense of love, is oftentimes very low. But when I get to those moments where I get a real chance to just sort of dig deep into some some you know, areas of people's lives that they normally have guards up around. And they let me speak to them. I can, I can actually do this. I wish I could record people's faces for them. And so I'm asking you, just think about yourself while I say this. I can sit with a person that's a believer in Jesus, a believer in God as Father, believes the promises of the Bible and the statements of the Bible, and I can sit down and speak to them and say, God loves you and their mouth will twist. It goes, it's, it's the rejection of a true conviction. Ah, why would he love me? 
I don't feel loved. Eh. And it leaks into their faces. And it happens so often. So the question really is, what does your mouth do with what God has been putting into your heart? And we need to find, if we can take our mouth's convictions, if we can speak out what is truly put into our heart, that Jesus said, it's like power. It's like the contacts of the dynamite being pressed and then boom, it blows up in its power. But if we twist our mouths up at what God has deliberately said to us, then we will not see the response. And we have to get scoffing at the word of God out of our system. We have to get derision out. We have to get that sarcastic sort of confessing, a false confessing. And we need to put true convictions in our hearts, leaking out of our mouths with absolute certainty. And so that's where I want to leave you today. Look at your mouth, listen to yourself, and see where your heart really is at. Then welcome the word of God and begin to confess that God is with me. God loves me. Things are about to turn good. I'm going to be healed. These problems will go away. God is letting me go through this so that I can help other people. God has got an amazing plan for me. God is going to preserve me. God is going to make sure that I am changed. These kinds of thoughts, the deep convictions confessed out of your mouth brings the power of God at work in your life and you will eat the fruit of it. God bless you as you think about these things today. It's great to go deep with you, and I hope that this has been a blessing so that you can grow in your faith and your love for God. Blessings in Jesus' name.